News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to the Luke Messias Show. If you walk in the Texas Capitol right now, it is filled with casino gambling lobbyists. They have more lobbyists than any other group in the entire state of Texas. But Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has taken a very strong stance with the grassroots, with the Republican Party, against all the pressure they are putting on the legislature. We also have gender modification being heard in the House, which was heard in the Senate last week. And then we have ESG legislation being heard in state affairs. Brian Hughes continues to advance a very conservative agenda. We break down all of this for you today. Let's get to the show. 2007 was the very first session I even was tuned into Texas politics. My dad got elected to the Texas House of Representatives in 2006, and he went into the Texas House in a year that casino gambling lobbyists felt like they had a chance to legalize gaming, their type of gaming in Texas. And they made a big push, and it almost passed the Texas House of Representatives. It came a few votes short. And so what they did in 2008 was they recruited a number of candidates across the state, moderate Republican rhinos, to run. And they funded them heavily. And they did so at the behest of Gordon Johnson, who organized this entire group of gaming interests. The goal being, we can legalize casino gambling in Texas. They won a handful of seats including defeating my dad's re-election in 2008 by 17 votes of 30,000 cast. They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then Joe Strauss got elected Speaker of the House. His family had been in the gaming industry. They were investors at Rotama, which was a dog racing track in San Antonio. And the gambling debate has been going on in Texas for decades. We are one of the few red states that doesn't legalize casino gaming. And this is to our benefit, but this is also to the loss of profit to a select group of people who have been allowed by government, handpicked, to pillage their citizens, which is exactly what casino gaming is. There is a debate in the Republican Party. Now, I will say that, I would would say that conservatives have won the debate over a more libertine, libertarian faction. You'll hear arguments like, oh, well, it's free market to have casinos in Texas. And this has absolutely nothing to do with the free market. In fact, if you roll it back a little bit and understand all the gambling interests, you realize there's nothing free market about this at all. You see, the dog parks and the horse racing tracks wanted to try to figure out a way to just legalize like slot machines at the current racetracks, right? They didn't want the full-blown casinos allowed. And then, of course, casinos would come in and they would pay lobbyists to kill efforts to let slot machines show up at the dog tracks or the racetracks because they wanted Texans to have to go to Las Vegas where they had their slot machines and addictive gambling machines. And so they're saying, no, we don't want to support that. And the Indians are saying, well, we want more gaming options for us, but we don't want more gaming options for them. The bingo halls are saying, we feel like we've kind of drawn out our little piece of the pie. We don't want people to compete with us with raffling and other things like that. The way casinos are legalized, you have to understand this. There is no state 
that will legalize casinos in a free market fashion. The reason being that casinos will never let it happen. They want there to be only a handful of select licenses given out. If you do not get this license to print money from the state government, you cannot operate a casino. And who gets the licenses? Well, Sands and Tillman Fertitta, people who already are invested in these type of operations. And they make sure to build the legislation and craft the policy in such a way to where the bar is so high that the only people who can get this license to literally print money are people who are already in the industry. It's an incredibly corrupt oligarchic form of policy. Texas has pushed back against this. It's not just because of the form, it's also because of the policy. Here's the reality. If we legalize casinos in Texas, you have basically taken a ton of your population. And when when I say a ton of your population, I mean people, let's say, at middle class and below. And you have given them even easier access to go in and lose a ton of money on a routine and regular basis. And we know this happens, by the way. All of the data and statistics say that you're basically continuing to allow the welfare state to reign supreme in the lives of your middle-class and lower-middle-class citizens. Pure and simple. Here's the reality. Are there people that occasionally go to Las Vegas a couple times a year? Are people in North Texas going up to Oklahoma kind of routinely? Yeah. And some of those people can't afford to go. But I'll tell you this. The people that really can't afford to go don't go because they literally can't afford it. But if you want to know which citizens in the state of Nevada are in those casinos on a weekly basis, it's not the upper middle class who have all of this cash burning a hole in their pocket. These are people who are on food stamp programs. These are people who we talk about this on the show regularly, but half of the children born in this state are paid for by us because people can't even afford to pay for their own children coming into the world. These casinos have hired hundreds of people. And when I say hired hundreds of people, for all I know, it could be a thousand people, but there are over 80 registered lobbyists for Sands Casino alone. The joke in the Capitol is like, you're more likely to not be working for Sands than to be working for Sands. There are people who are getting paid by Sands who haven't even registered as lobbyists. And that is a very long list of just people who have general influence on other people in the Capitol. I mean, it is a, hey, maybe we need some help in the Senate. There's eight people who maybe have friendships in the Senate. We're just going to put them on the payroll. Five grand a month. 7,500 a month, 10 grand a month. Let's just do it. That way we have as much potential access to influence as humanly possible to shove this thing through. The Republican Party of Texas opposes casino gambling. I oppose casino gambling. Many Texans oppose casino gambling in this state. But they are trying to force it through. Speaker Dade Phelan also supports casino gambling. And he supports legalizing these this specific policy that would legalize just a couple licenses to go to this handful of people that are spending massive amounts of money in the state of Texas. 
Greg Abbott also has come out and said, hey, I like the idea of these resort-style destination places that just happen to pillage everybody with some gaming systems. But Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick came out this week and took a very strong stance. Now, the way he took the stance, I think, is commendable. He basically came out and said this. He said, in the Senate, we have a rule. We don't let Democrats pass their policy. And what he meant by that, and he explained further, he said, we don't allow bills to pass the Senate that don't have a majority support of the Republican caucus. You see, there's enough Democrats where you could get a minority of the Republican caucus to team up with them and pass a bill like casino gaming. But he's actually raised the bar. So casino interests don't just need to actually get enough votes to pass their bill. They need to get a majority of Republicans in the Republican caucus. And in this same interview, he said, I do not know a single Republican senator that supports casino gaming legalizing casino gaming in Texas. So he's saying, hey, just to let you know, they need like 15 senators and they have zero. Now that's really good news for us. It essentially stops casino gaming dead in its tracks. I actually want to even focus on what Dan said because it goes beyond casino gaming. This is what leadership looks like. This is why conservatives have appreciated the time that Dan Patrick has spent as lieutenant governor. He literally says, I'm not here to pass bills that a majority of my Republican colleagues don't support. It seems like a pretty basic, simple stance, but that is the opposite of the mindset of the general catechized, let's say, belief system of the Texas House of Representatives. In April, we will routinely see bills pass the Texas House with 50, 55, 60 no votes. It's, it happened last session. It happened the session before. I mean, literally the Republican Caucus Study Committee, which is the policy arm of the Republican Caucus, will actually recommend no votes for bills that are on the floor of the Texas House. Think about that for a second. And this gets into the Democrat chair debate. This gets into all of the problems we've talked about. The Republican Study Committee is the actual group in the Republican caucus of the Republican elected officials that we tell you don't always want to do the right thing. And even that group will look at policy and go, oof, we're against that bill. And at no time do they kind of go, how did that bill get to the floor? Because it would have had to get a committee hearing, get voted out of committee. Almost every committee except for two have a Republican majority. So it couldn't have come out of committee without Republicans supporting it coming out. And then often when you go look at the bill, you go, oh, one or two Republicans teamed up with all the Democrats on the committee to pass this bill out. Again, the opposite mindset of that that Dan Patrick has in the Texas Senate. And then it goes to the calendars committee. Well, you go, well, the calendars committee is all Republican. They're all these, not, not all Republicans, but it's a very strong Republican majority. And honestly, Dustin Burroughs, who's the Republican chair of the calendars committee, 
has complete control over whether any of this legislation even gets considered. So how did this bill get put on the calendar? And then you have the Republican Study Committee and they say, we're recommending a no vote. They literally have the Republican caucus itself sending out a recommendation that all of our members vote no. And that legislation, I mean, this happens maybe 10 to 12 times a year, but that legislation usually still passes. Every now and then it dies, but almost every time it still passes. Why? Because a handful of Republicans team up with the Democrats to pass the bill. There are amendments that will be offered by conservatives that will get 50 or 60 votes at times, but not enough. Because oftentimes Dustin Burroughs, Craig Goldman, other people who are very loyal to Dade Phelan will side with the Democrats to ensure that the votes are there to keep the policy the way leadership wants it. It is the opposite perspective. Not helpful. So what we're fighting against. We'll be right back. Each weekday, join the Texas Minute for a first look at the top news of the Lone Star State. I'm Michael Quinn Sullivan, the host of the Texas Minute. The Texas Minute exists to make sure real Texans have the news they need to affect Texas. You can find the Texas Minute at texasscorecard.com or everywhere you listen to podcasts. Talking of the Texas House of Representatives, we are actually hearing gender modification today in the Public Health Committee. Representative Stephanie Click was the chairman of Public Health. Last session, we have episodes on how she drug her feet on this policy overall because everyone knew that it was likely to get killed, but it could only get killed if she delayed long enough. Well, this session, there's a very different tone coming out of the Texas House of Representatives on this issue. And this is because the Republicans didn't take no for an answer. They campaigned against Stephanie Click. Didn't matter how many people said that she wasn't involved, that blood wasn't on her hands. It was clear that it was. And she had to spend like $1.5 million to barely win re-election. Dozens of bills have been filed this session. And now the Texas House is having hearing relatively early in the session with plenty of time to still pass this policy. I believe something's going to pass. I broke this down a couple weeks ago, but it will be interesting to see the difference in tone and tenor of the Texas House of Representatives when it comes to hearing this bill, asking questions, um, and what they determine they want to do with the policy moving forward. And we'll bring you any highlights of things that change or transition as, as the bill gets heard and the discussion is had. In the Senate, Brian Hughes is hearing several bills related to ESG, environmental social governance. And ESG is really just a corporate Marxism that the left has engineered to control all of these publicly traded companies. And you have publicly traded companies who have now become more concerned with how they are advancing leftist ideas than they are how much profit they are creating and then being able to return to their shareholders. These are very different perspectives. This is not a free market anymore. And for a long time, these corporate fat cats got to basically schmooze both sides of the aisle and Republicans would protect them at all costs. 
And finally, our party is starting to wake up to realize that when the left socially engineers corporate America to advance their ideas, we have to stop protecting these guys. So Senator Brian Hughes is hearing a number of bills uh, that deal with this issue. He had interim hearings on the issue of ESG. We basically, in Texas, need to, at a minimum, stop any of our pension funds from being invested in these type of vehicles. If we are invested in funds that have ESG-related guidance programs, then we are funding leftist ideas. Understand how this works. We buy several billion dollars of a certain fund. Let's say it's a BlackRock fund. And they're going to turn around and they're going to invest that money. But when they invest that money on behalf of Texas taxpayers, they're going to say, hey, just to let you know, we would like to see your company push these leftist agenda items in any way possible. We would like to make sure that you're hiring based on race, not based on the content of people's character. We would like to make sure that even though you're an energy company, you are pushing policies that are literally against the energy industry. We want you pushing the green movement, even if we're invested in an oil and gas company. And then you as an oil and gas company need to prove to us who have all this money in your company that you are actually advancing the green energy initiative, not the actual agenda of the energy you're producing, the cheap energy that is literally keeping homes warm and keeping cars running. And then these companies are put in positions where they're having to kowtow to all of the people that are holding the purse. Scripture says the borrower will be a slave to the lender. And it's essentially the principle that the leftists realized they could do with this ESG movement. And so at a minimum, we need to say, look, the money that is in Texas pension funds will not be invested in these leftist ideas, cannot be governed with ESG rules, regulations, guidance. This also gets into the conversation of Disney. I don't know if we remember, but when Disney decided they were going incredibly woke, which by the way, they still are incredibly woke. They haven't, they haven't backed off. Ron DeSantis did the right thing and actually put pressure on Disney. But Disney's just as woke. They are going to try to groom our children as much as possible. And so Dan Patrick came out and just said, look, our pension funds own tens of millions of dollars in Disney stock, and I would like to divest. This isn't the same as ESG, but it's in the same vein. I don't want us to have this money invested in this leftist corporation who's trying to sexualize our kids. Dade Phelan came out and said, well, I'm not really comfortable with targeting any companies. That doesn't seem very Republican. And then he talked about how his like niece worked at Disney and he wouldn't want her to lose a job. Basically like, look, she works for the groomers and I wouldn't want to give them less of our taxpayer money and then that hurt their stock price and then she loses her job. This would be horrible. So yet again, we're going to have to see where this ESG legislation goes. Last week we had multiple hearings in the Senate on not only school choice, but also uh, there was a hearing later in the week, which we did not talk to you about, but it's just higher education. There's a big conversation going on with DEI and CRT in higher education. That's diversity, equity, and inclusion, and critical race theory being taught at the higher education level. CRT legislation in the past has only applied to K through 12. So there's going to be a big conversation about how much our higher education institutions are allowed 
to indoctrinate young adults in Texas. And that is going to be a debate that's going to continue. We're going to bring you more information on that as it progresses. I hope this kind of gives you a general overview of the lay of the land of what's happening. I'm personally grateful in closing that Dan Patrick decided to come out and say, while Greg Abbott and Dade Phelan, here's what I saw Greg Abbott and Dade Phelan's actions like. Um, They essentially were giving these casino lobbyists like a Hail Mary chance at passing their policy. Everyone knew that the votes likely weren't there in the Senate, okay? And that was even with Democrats and Republicans teaming up. The votes likely weren't there. But they needed to try to create an environment where they could still force it through. So then Greg Abbott came out and said, oh, I love the idea of these resort-style destination locations that happen to have some gambling happen at them. And then Dade Feeling came out similarly like a week later and said, oh, I love the idea of having a discussion about passing a policy that would allow it literally, like when they start saying they're for casinos, it takes like four sentences to get to like the word gambling, right? So they have all these descriptive terms, resort style, destination. There's a lot of restaurants at these places. But they've been giving these Hail Mary passes. They've been throwing these, drawing these plays up that are designed to literally just like keep us in the game. And Dan Patrick basically came out and said, let me be clear. Not only do you need the votes in the Senate, you need a majority of the Republican caucus, and right now you have zero. This is a huge blessing to conservatives in Texas, and I hope and pray that conservatives will continue to wake up and put a lot of pressure on the legislature regarding this issue specifically. It's not as cool as the transgender issue. It's not as hot as the education reforms and the indoctrination issues, but it really is fundamental to protecting the family unit and people in our society that can't afford to be pillaged. We shouldn't be creating government licenses to a handful of people to say, we're going to give you massive amount of profits and you're going to get this all from a bunch of people who are completely dependent on the government in every form and fashion of their life. We're just going to perpetuate that problem. That's not what conservatives are about. And I'm glad that this session, it looks like there's no chance for casinos to pass, but I'm not taking anything for granted. And I think you should not either. And if you haven't talked to your legislator about this issue, you should consider reaching out to them. God bless you. And God bless Texas. Thank you for listening to the Luke Macias show. To find out more information about what's going on here in Texas, visit texasscorecard.com.